Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast created weekly by David Thomas and Guy Henderson. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United along probably with quite a lot that you didn't. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com or you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. It's pouring with rain across the English Riviera today. Flaming June has arrived in, in some style. Hasn't Flaming it? something. Uh, but we're going to start the podcast today by uh, chatting to somebody uh, that we've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. Gary Head, who is doing the whole of the Southwest Coast Path for charity. He's a big Talker United supporter. He'll be listening into the podcast. And although in terms of technology, as you may have noticed, David and I are not the sharpest knives in the drawer. Um, I'm hoping that we should be able to get through to Gary on the phone um, any second now. Are you there? So we're talking to uh, talking to Gary Head, who is you, actually, Gary, you're quite a long way through this amazing Coast Path Challenge now. Aren't you? How, how many miles have you done? Uh, I've done, uh, that's a really good question. I'm, I'm 75% through. Yeah, got twenty five percent left, so you can work that out for yourself. Six hundred and thirty miles in total. So, in football terms, you're midway through the second half now. You're... <laughs> <laughs> I am. Yeah, last fifteen minutes. <laughs> if only it was. That's where we always come on strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and big Talker United supporter Gary, tell me a little bit about what um, what's behind this walk, though, because um, th- there's a football element to it as well, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so a friend of mine took his own life uh, in January last year, unfortunately. Uh, it's obviously left a lot of people devastated, and mental health's always been a really important issue to me personally. Uh, my mum has schizophrenia, for example. And um, my friend John, I actually met him on the terraces at Playmore many years ago. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm actually running as opposed to walking. Unfortunately, yeah, I wish I was walking. But, that's an uh, important distinction, isn't it? We may have mistakenly said you were walking the coast, but you're very much not, are you? You're running the whole thing. Well, I'm trying to run the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> some of the hills, if you've never been out on any of the coast path, you'll realise that... There's not, not a flat yard on it, Gary, is there? No, not at all. I'm actually actually looking at Timmouth right now, Dave. I'm quite looking forward to getting there because it's nice and flat. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you, you've you done the bit between Kingswear and Berry Hedgett. You've still got that to come as well, haven't you? Yeah, that's tomorrow's job, I'm afraid. So yeah, that's uh, something to look forward to. It's very scenic. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, a lot of it has been. It's all been very, very beautiful. And yeah. I'll be in. Uh, I'll be coming through Torbay uh, this weekend. So uh, kind of looking forward to hitting familiar territory. And how's it gone for you so far? Because the weather hasn't exactly been kind one way or the other, has it? It's either been boiling hot or pouring rain. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I'm not sure which I prefer. Um, yeah, boiling hot has certainly made it made it really hard. And then looking out the window now, it's absolutely chucking down with rain. And I'm not sure which one is worse or which one is better. Um, but yeah, that's no, not been not been particularly kind so far. How's the fundraising going? Because you're raising money um, for it, it's miles for mines, isn't it? Yeah, so Miles for Mines is my uh, my name for my run, uh, but the money will be split between three local charities, uh, and they are the local mine charities in Devon, Cornwall, and Dorset. Uh, John John was in Torbay anyway, so if he were able to receive some help from a local uh, mental health charity, it would have been Devon Mines. Um, I live in Dorset now, so I'm up in Poole, and um, 
Cornwall is where I grew up. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to do something for local charities. What have the best bits been so far? Uh, well, the best bit is going to be on the 22nd of June when I finish, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, the best bits is Sundays. It's just been so beautiful, seeing sunsets, sunrises. Um, even meeting people along the way. I've had some really interesting discussions with lots of different people. The first day I ran with uh, Stacey, that was, uh, who's John's sister, mm-hmm. and we had we had three and a half hours to run together, but we had a really good conversation about things, and actually a lot of people have opened up, um, and we've had some really interesting discussions about loss and about suicide and about mental health, so it's been really positive. Good, good, good. And from... A- Changing the subject to football, though, as a yeah. football podcast, you must have enjoyed uh, last season as a Torquay fan and looking forward to the next one. Yeah, I loved it. absolutely loved it. Yeah, it feels like the whole place is totally rejuvenated at the moment, certainly since Gary Johnson's come in. He's done such a wonderful job. And, um, yeah, so I, remember I was at Woking last year uh, when we came back from 3-1 down. It yeah. didn't look likely, to be fair. No, a great afternoon that was, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Yeah, and it was actually really good to see one of our new signings, Little, because I think he looks like quite a player. I think he's going to be very good for us. He does indeed. So, yeah, the fixtures are due out in, in a week or two. We expect to see you on the pop side at the first home game. I'll be I'll be certainly, yeah, I, like I said, I live in Dorset now, so uh, I don't get to as many home games as possible. But I'm hoping Aldershot, Aldershot get their reprieve, because if they stay down, that's a, that's a game that's not too difficult to get to. So, uh, yeah, try and get to as many away games as possible. Yeah. That, my understanding is they have had that reprieve, Gary. So we are going to get oh, okay. we'll yeah. get a, we'll get a pint in the Crimea and um, and we'll get all the shot down as uh, as guests at some point as well. So that sounds good to me. And two games against Yeovil at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that, again, that's that's good to me. Again, uh, nice. That's to what's your Christmas out, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, looking forward to that, and um, I'm kind of really hopeful for the new season, to be honest. Good stuff. Well, uh, we'll have to get together for a pint in Boots and Laces before a game sometime, but in, enjoy the pint you're going to have on the 22nd, because you really will. <laughs> just the one? No, I was just better say that, Dave. It'll be more than one, I'll be honest. <laughs> Good luck, Gary. Enjoy the rest of it. Um, wish you well. And if people want to uh, want to sponsor you, they can find you on Facebook, can they? Yeah, so if you go to Facebook and type in Running Miles for Minds, all one word, you can find me on there, or I'm on Twitter at Miles underscore for the number underscore minds. Okay, so Peter, talk to United fans who want to give you a bit of backing can get on and, uh, and put a couple of quid in for you. Which yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a really good cause and um, people have been really supportive. So yeah, I really appreciate it. Excellent. Well, enjoy the rest of those hills, Gary. You know the uh, <laughs> good uh, luck getting from uh, getting from where you are to Tinmouth. I don't think you've got a flat mile on there at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 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 You're, you're really boosting Thanks. my confidence. Enjoy. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Garrett. No problem. Excellent. Remarkable effort by Gary, I think. Running it. Eh? Running it. Yeah, not walking it. Wow. Running it. It's not bear thinking about. And some of those hills out on the coast path. Oh. You see, the bit between Torquay and Tynmouth that you always think is going to be great, that you can't see a view until you come out on the top of that golf of course at Shoulden. Yeah. You're under the trees all the way. Yeah. So it's good luck to him. Anyway. Wonderful effort. Back to the football, and we have a very interesting signing. Much to, to discuss. We much to discuss as ever. United. There's it always is. much to discuss. Uh, and yeah, an interesting signing has been announced. This yeah, week. Um, um, I, the impression I get is that this 
was should have probably been done a little bit earlier, but uh, one or two little teething problems before it, it was finally done, which was um, was it yesterday, wasn't it? I think it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. speaking on Thursday. Um, uh, Emmanuelson Duku, known to everybody as Manny. Um, Can we write Manny in oh, coffee? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, uh, Dutchman, born in. Amsterdam, mm-hmm. um, uh, and he's joined United from Cheltenham Town. It was interesting, Gary Johnson said a couple of weeks ago that United might be interested in working with one or two people we've worked with before. Yeah, he was um, quite enigmatic about that, about wasn't he? That, yeah. how, uh, you cryptic know, is the cryptic, word I'm looking for. Yeah, and, uh, and obviously uh, Manny Duku was somebody that he and his brother Peter uh, signed for Cheltenham a year ago mm. um, after he'd scored 37 goals for Hazen Yedding in the Southern League. Um, I know then uh, one or two, loads of people, like you know, odd scouts and people kept mentioning this name of this big strong lad who was scoring loads of goals at Yet, loads of goals at Yedding. Um, uh, Gary and Peter Johnson, his brother, took a, a punt on him at uh, at Cheltenham. Uh, never really worked out there, apart from mm-hmm. the fact that Gary Johnson got sacked after four games last season. Yeah. Um, it, Duku scored, I think, one or two goals for them and then put his shoulder out and he was sidelined for a few months. Um, obviously, Piers never to have quite hit it off with Michael Duff, the new stroke current Cheltenham manager, and he went out on loan to Barnet um, and then FC Halifax Town with some yeah. success. Scored goals at both of those places, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and now um, he's uh, a play He's more. a goal. Yeah. He's and, a yellow. Um, I, I think... If you reading between the lines, he's six foot three inches tall. Yeah, which is sort of you know the biggest proper centre forward we've had for for, for for a little while, and I think it's quite an interesting signing. Not just because of what he may or may not be able to do. Yeah. Although Gary Johnson is absolutely convinced that he's a football league striker uh, yeah. he, now. Is he an um, orthodox centre forward? Is he forward uh, facing or is he a hold up player? Do I think we, he we can do a bit of yeah. everything by the sound yeah. of it. I've never seen him play. But when you think back to last season and how important Seku Jane's work rate was, I mean, yeah. look, Jamie Reid used to put a stint in as well, don't forget. But the pair of them, with their pace and their work rate, uh, got to everybody in the end with yeah. a bit of help yeah. from uh, a few other, plenty of others. But, and I get the feeling from talking to Gary Johnson and one or two other people that know Dooku quite well that he's a, a sort of a bigger, stronger version of Seku Jane. Um, uh, now, I'm not that saying, sounds like quite a sign. Exactly. Yeah. Then, yeah. then I'm not saying you know. Look, we all love Seku Jane, didn't yeah. we? And 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 I I thought his his mobility uh, was an absolutely crucial part of United's success last season. Um, but the conference. Let's call it that, because that's what yeah. we really know it as. Um, I remember when Paul Buckle first arrived at United after they'd been relegated to the conference in 2007. And, you know, obviously he was a former United player. We knew each other quite well. We had a cup of coffee in Wellswood somewhere. Yeah. And he sat down and he said, Dave, this is a fight league and we've got to fight our way out of it. Yeah. And he was right. Yeah. And he went out and signed the biggest, best, strongest centre forward in the conference, which was Tim Sills. Uh, Chris Hargreaves in midfield, Chris Zabrowski, six yeah. foot two, powerful winger, Lee Phillips up front, etc., etc., etc. And United should have gone up the first year. They did went go up the second year, and it was 
in-your-face, physical, pacey, powerful yeah, yeah. football. It wasn't the the football that was necessarily played when Unino Kane, the, the Unino Canes came into this into the team, but it did the job. Now Gary Johnson has a way of playing. It's high tempo, pacey, in-your-face football, but it isn't. Uh, uh, it hasn't up to now been. Um, there hasn't been a Tim Sills type figure no. uh, around. Now uh, it's interesting that he suddenly suddenly. He's decided to go now for a really powerful centre forward figure yeah. in Duku. I mean, look, um, if 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 we could have had um, Seiko Jani back, um, then fine. Yeah, uh, that that yeah. might have been another option. But I think it's just an indication that Johnson knows that whilst okay, and he was saying in the Herald Express this week about. You know, look, we have our method. We have the way we play. Mm-hmm. We have the, the core values of the team, you know, the, the, the work rate and the way we go about it. But I think even he knows that this is going to be a more physical yeah. test. Yeah. The other teams are going to be more or less all of them are full-time. They ain't going to be fading away in the last 15, 20 no, minutes of that's matches. that's true. And uh, uh, that's... That, that now that the, the style it, the style won't change, but the demands will. Yeah, and yeah. I think Duku, uh, uh, he's twenty six years old, but in terms of professional football, he's only really been playing seriously yeah. in this country for a year. Uh, and Johnson, I know, is absolutely convinced he'll get better. Um, it, it's very easy to sort of draw parallels with other players, but you know. <laughs> He did mention Mo Iser, who scored a bucket of goals for yeah. Greenwich Borough in the year before they picked him up and went to Cheltenham. Everybody said, oh, yeah, but it's only Greenwich Borough, you know, big jump up. They sold into Bristol City for one and a half million a year later. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you score goals. You score goals. Exactly. The technique is the same. Well, it's funny enough, people over the years have always said, uh, or a lot of people have, have said, when, when somebody gets a load of goals and they get a reputation as, you know, just a goal scorer. Mm. Well, he's a good finisher, but, you know, good finishers tend to be good footballers. Yeah. They tend, the the sheer business of having that one-touch shot, the awareness of where you are in the box, the ability to finish coolly under pressure, these are all qualities that are actually just being a good footballer. Yeah. Uh, And and I can remember when Tommy Tynan first came up to, to Torquay from Plymouth after the career he'd had, hundreds of goals for oh, Rotherham, Plymouth, Newport, yeah. you name it. And I and I was quite, and I'd never really seen him play much in the flesh. And then he arrived at Plainmore and started scoring goals straight away, thirty two years old, wherever he was. Yeah. And you saw him out on the pitch and you realised why he'd scored all those goals. Yeah. F- first touch, brilliant. Always knew where he was in the box, always knew where his marker was. Ability just to put some space in between him and a man, and then the ability to finish. He was actually a bloody good footballer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't just a goal scorer. Um, and I think, uh, you know, by all accounts, Duku, well, Duku has got a good goal scoring record anyway. Yeah. Now, if Johnson and Aaron Downs and the United coaching staff and just the sheer business of games is going to improve him by what, 10, 15%? Well, United should be in business. The signing itself, I was talking to Hayden, one of our listeners, last night about the the way the signing has come about. And he points out that not necessarily in the recent past, but in the past, some of these summer signings have come kind of out of the blue. Players that you hadn't heard of, players that maybe had been picked up at 
kicking the ball around on the beach or something like that. But this one has been structured. It's, it's been, you know, this has been a signing that's been quite a long time coming, hasn't well, it? Well, Gary won't confirm it, but the, all the indications are that United did try to loan him <laughs> from Cheltenham yeah. in January. I think that the reason why that happened, and it didn't happen in the end, was that at the time it looked almost certain that Bristol City were going to recall yeah. Saker yeah. Jane. So if that had happened, then United would certainly have needed to go out and get a replacement. Um, uh, in the end, uh, Bristol City agreed for Saker Jane to stay with the United. Saker Jane wanted to stay yeah. here to the yeah. end of the season and see it through, which he eventually did. So the Dooku thing never happened in the end. I think as well, on the back of the fact that Calvin Kalala... Um, who had been quite popular at Cheltenham. I think Cheltenham fans could see what sort of potential he had. Yeah. When uh, he tr- followed Gary Johnson from Wadden Road to Plainmore, there were one or two Cheltenham fans saying, well, hang on a minute, we might have made one there. And then I think there was yeah. the, the, the possibility of letting Dooku go the same way uh, and then maybe doing the business here, um, yeah. I think may have, have, have caused a few doubts at Cheltenham. All right, now we're a year on, mm-hmm. or six, eight months on, um, and uh, the situation is obviously Michael Duff, fair enough, doesn't see him as part of his first team plans. Um, he had another year on his contract at Cheltenham, but that's been got over, so I understand. No transfer fee being paid. Um, and, uh, you know, it's easier for Cheltenham to say, okay, well, we're going in another direction yeah, here. Yeah. Um, I, I do imagine that that puts Duff under a bit of pressure to get himself serious centre forward, but they've got people like Luke Varney at Cheltenham who have yeah, done a pretty good yeah. job, so good luck to them. Um, and fingers crossed, Manny Duku uh, comes and, and does the bizzo, bizzo with Torquay. All the indications are that he's built for the job, attitude yeah. right, very and, hard worker on the pitch, and the ma- the managers worked with him before. And it's all part of the quite. the talkifying. People, I think I it? think this is, this is it. You you you've just used that phrase that, that that Gary used last week, and and it's it's about keeping this culture and this attitude and this team spirit, and and he's very very big on will they fit in with us, yeah, and the way we do things and the atmosphere around the dressing room and the mm-hmm. club. Um, so far, you've got Lucas Cobbeland, the goalkeeper. He's already been here for a month training in the middle of yeah. the season, so he, everybody knows him. Armani Littrell, they're absolutely convinced he'll fit in like a yeah. hand to a glove, and uh, presumably they're pretty much they're pretty certain. And you, I'm sure United fans have seen seen him being interviewed on the United TV. Um, he seems a pretty nice guy I quite yeah. like centre forwards who've got a little bit of attitude personally yeah um, uh, apparently you know, I think he, he's kicked over a bucket or two in the past yeah uh, I don't think it's a bad thing no, it's not as, a bad long, thing as, as long as it doesn't go too far afterwards no. um, and uh, um, Gary Johnson has handled many players like that in yeah. the past Indeed. Now, the fixtures are due out. It's July the 3rd, the isn't third. it? The Premier League fixtures are out now. I know, today, I know, But I know. We, we have to wait. The, the Canaries go to Liverpool on the opening day. Opening day, season. is it? Oh, yeah, that's a nice one for us. There you go. <laughs> what well, you, welcome what, to the Premier League. What, what a great time to do it, to cause an upset. <laughs> First day of the season. That's often when In they happen, dreams, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You never know. No. You never know. No, but July the third. I presume that's usually a midweek, isn't it? It is. is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a Wednesday yeah. as well. Beautifully timed for our Herald Express yes. deadline. By no, the way, mind. thank you very much, yeah. National League. But yeah, uh, it's there always you go. the same, isn't it? Yeah. So the Wednesday the fixtures come out. Um, we're kind of expecting Yeovil back to back over Christmas and New Year. Well, the, the National League are very good at this. Yeah. Uh, much better than the Football League, who send you to. 
or a Ple- poor old Plymouth have gone to is it Wickham and somewhere else on yeah. Boxing Day the last two years um, uh, when they could have gone to, to Bristol Rovers or something like that yeah. but uh, and I'm sure 99% certain anyway that United will get Yeovil Boxing Day and New Year's yeah. Day Your Aldershot um, Good Friday maybe <laughs> very possibly yeah, handy, yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I think it's yeah. worth bearing in mind by the way uh, in the wake of all that of course we have lost Gateshead yeah. Um, but uh, Mike Williamson is, is, is coach there, isn't he? Player manager. Yeah. yeah. Player manager, and good luck to Mike, to Mike Williamson. Wouldn't, that would have been a great homecoming for him, wouldn't it? Yeah. To brought yeah. Gateshead down to Playmore. I must give him a bell and get a. <laughs> there's only one bad thing about that, and that's and that we won't be coming back to. I won't be back, yeah. coming back to play more. But um, yeah, uh, um, they, they they are they haven't been suspended. Their suspension from the whole of the mm. national league, because that's what it looked like was going to happen, has been suspended. That, that's been knocked yeah. on the head. But they have been demoted to the national league north. Yeah, because uh, they finished ninth last year, um, and and all the shot town have been reprieved. So uh, I think we're all. <laughs> No, no, no bad feelings towards Gateshead at all. Everybody hopes they survive yeah. and, and 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 prosper. But um, I think everybody's quite happy that uh, Aldershot are back with us next season. It's going to be some league this National League next season, though, isn't it? Yeovil, Aldershot, Woking, Torquay, Notts County, Notts County, Chesterfield. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, as usual, it will be horrendously hard to get out of. Uh, only one up and one through the playoffs yeah. um, and of course this year it was late Orient and while we're talking about that yeah. what a, a dreadful tragedy with that was Justin stunning, Edinburgh wasn't it? Um, yeah. and of course the, the National League annual meeting which was on the Saturday and the Saturday night at mm-hmm. the uh, Celtic Manor Resort at Newport uh, you know what a, a pall that uh, hung over the whole occasion because ju- um, in case you hadn't heard Justin Edinburgh uh, he was only 49 wasn't he he was 49 yeah. years old yeah. he'd had a what appears to be a fairly major heart issue what nearly a week before mm. and obviously yeah. they'd tried their best and he'd hung on and hung on and hung on and then he, he actually died I think on the Friday something yeah. like that only 49 years old a very successful managerial career and did one of the hardest jobs in football, i.e., getting out of the conference, yeah, uh, yeah. winning the conference with um, with Leighton Orient last season, and you know what a what a terrible blow uh, that must be to that club, and as, on the on the back of to say nothing of all his family and friends and everything. But um, so that that was one of the issues which obviously clouded a little bit the yeah. uh, the, the annual meeting, but there was plenty of other stuff, and one of them was the fact that uh, all the shot had been reprieved. That's good news. Uh, the other thing that's happening, of course, over the course of this summer that we're going to have to get used to, there's some rule changes oh, coming. Oh, telling me. <laughs> um, uh, I, d- I don't approve of this rule that stops an attacking player getting into a defensive wall. <laughs> I've done that many, many times with varying degrees of success. Um, you can cause havoc in there, and it's it seems yeah, un- without unfair actually to take playing any football. That, exactly. that, that, that's, yeah. what, that's what appeals to you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, there's, there's 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 one or two. There's one or two yeah. quite interesting ones. Uh, there's the usual attempt to try and tidy up the handball law. I'm not quite sure whether those, you know, uh, th- these are all, of course, either tweaks to the rules or guidelines to referees. Yeah. So that purely on the handball law, just to deal with that, first of all, if a player is falling to the ground and he puts his arm out to break yeah. his fall and the ball then hits his arm, that can't be a penalty. Well, you'd always yeah. hope that the referee would say no to that anyway. Yeah. But yeah. here we go. Um, there's there's various other, um, st- you know. In other words, if a player is make appears to be making every effort to keep his arms to his side, 
the ball may hit it, but it hasn't materially made his body bigger. No, that's not a penalty. So if actually, on the handball law, it encourages referees to turn down more of these, I'm all in favour of it. I I think one of the worst things about the handball law in the last few years is that, and these guidelines, is that it's actually encouraged referees to give more handball decisions Mm. when... You know, you're all going. What? It's it's, and we, and of course, Torquay United fans go all the way back to John Gittins conceding yeah. that handball yeah. penalty in the playoff final at Wembley against Colchester. It was harsh. Um, when to he, say the very least. When, when, yeah. he, when he was he'd gone to Gray, he was he was going down to try and get a challenge in. Yeah. And the ball hit his arm as he's as it's as it's planted on the ground, breaking his fall. What? But there you go. Um, yeah. So that's that one. Um, yeah, the 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 uh, the free the, 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 the three players in the wall. As, as soon as three players go in a defensive wall, no attacking player is allowed to stand within a meter of okay. either in front of the wall or in the wall or on the side of the wall either. Um, so you can stand in front of the wall as long as you're a meter, as long as your arm's length correct. in front of the wall. Now what's going to happen there? Well, presumably the referee had to get his little spray out. Yeah. Um, uh, well, well, there'll be two lines. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. Anyway, so that's one of them. Um, uh, an interesting one that, that quite a lot of, you know, the more sort of uh, pontificating amongst us are going. Uh, a lot of people haven't realised over the years that, that um, uh, goal kicks always have to leave the penalty area. Uh, not anymore in other words goal kicks and free kicks from within the penalty area don't have to go outside the area before the ball is in play right Um, and while they are happening no opposing player is allowed to go into the penalty area now of course all this is to this will put a smile on Pep Guardiola's face won't it because this is supposed no doubt to be encouraging teams to play out from the back oh, I you, you and I aren't I don't <laughs> hold with that <laughs> no, either exactly. thank no, you very much we've all seen John Stones look just for goodness sake man <laughs> just stick your laces <laughs> through the ball it stood know. us in good stead Absolutely. for long enough yeah, hasn't quite, it? if yeah. it's good enough <laughs> for you Henders yeah no so uh, so that's another one um, I think we're all in favour of substitutes leaving by the nearest touchline yes, or the goal yeah. line um, uh, uh, and to facilitate and speed that up. But as you said up. in the Herald Express this week, there'll be a, a sudden rash of players racing for the centre spot. There you go. When they're about to be substituted. When about to be substituted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, no contested drop balls. I think we've already seen that in the Women's World Cup finals. Yeah. All drop balls will be uncontested. Uh, there you go. Um, and in the penalty area, no matter who's the last team to touch it, it goes to the defending goal. The ball will go to the defending goalkeeper if there's a drop ball in the in the area. So, uh, which actually, if you think about it, uh, um, in practical terms, that probably, probably happens anyway. And it probably yeah. happens yeah. anyway. Uh, if the ball hits the referee, it's an automatic drop ball, no matter what what happens. Oh, so the old one where if it goes off the referee into the net, so there was always it was. About every couple of months, it was in the football comics, <laughs> wasn't it? You are the ref. What yeah, happens what, what now? now? Yeah. It doesn't what is, happen. What is your decision? Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, that will go back to the team that last touched the, last touched the ball. Um, yeah. Uh, are they doing this thing where you can't make substitutions in injury time? Because they were talking well, about that at one point. I, I, I don't think that's come in. No substitutions in stoppage time because they were trying to stop teams killing Quite, the game by. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I haven't seen that introduced. No. I, I don't. They talked to us. Stand to be corrected, but yeah, they did. They, they did. Maybe, maybe um, for another year. 
And the, sin, I, the sin bins thing we should clarify as well. Thank you to everybody who did clarify for us. It's below below our pay grade, correct. isn't it? It's, it's been in the leagues below, but it's not to say they won't bring it if it's a success. It's, yeah, that's we could right. be talking about it next year, couldn't yeah, we? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, as usual, the referees will be uh, phenomenally strict on some of these things in the first uh, six eight weeks of the season, uh, and then we'll see how they manage to keep it going. Good luck to them. All of these things, of course have the get-out phrase of, if in the opinion of the referee, and quite yeah. right too, let the rest make the decisions. Um, all right, one or two more complications here. Good luck to all officials with the no players Absolutely. in the wall. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, the quicker we switch VAR off, the better. No, I, well, don't, that, I don't really mean that. But um, Well, this brings us to our, the next thing on our agenda, which was VAR last night in the World Cup, in the Women's World Cup, the France-Norway game. If you haven't seen it, there's a, a the winning goal. That that own goal is hilarious, by the way. That's yes, one of those that will be replayed forevermore. Uh, but the winning goal was a penalty yeah. awarded by the referee. Yeah, that's a key point, isn't it? What well, not awarded originally by the referee, mm. but after she'd had a look at the VAR. Yeah. Um, but I, did she get it right? No. No, I don't no. think she got uh, it right. Uh, the only saving grace about the whole incident, from from my view is that at least it was a refereeing decision in the end yeah. rather than a pure VAR decision. How she managed to come to the conclusion that she came to, I don't know. Um, because the French uh, the, the player... The Norway defender goes to clear the ball yeah. um, inside her own area, gets there marginally before the French forward coming in, kicks the ball onto the French player, the ball heads on up the pitch, and in her follow-through she catches the, the French forward um, you know they're both stretching for the ball. By yeah. the way, it's not a challenge she can pull out of. Well, and the French player's gone in two-footed as well. There which you go. Is, you know, you, you, yeah. I uh, and 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 you you just sort of look. Players react all sorts of different ways to things. We all know that. Watched it for hundreds of years and everything. But you you just saw the expressions on the faces of the Norway players. Uh, um, uh, pardon, what's all this? But she, yeah. our girls won the ball, you know, etc. She hasn't gone to do the other player or anything like that. It was just an extraordinary decision. And the fact that she went to VAR for clarification and then gave the penalty, for me, just shows that VAR may be able to help in some yeah. instances, but it doesn't solve everything. It doesn't deliver the certainty that people seem to expect it to. No. And we're already seeing VAR decisions on offsides. Where, well, that's ridiculous. Where, where you've got, they're talking about heels and yeah. feet and knees and stuff like that. And then we're all supposed to go, oh, thank goodness for that, at least they reached the right decision. <laughs> well, yeah. did they? Um, you know, uh, and, and th th this compulsion to be certain about everything, because you happen to have a bit of technical kit yeah. that helps you is is a, a a fool's paradise you know search it ain't going to do that for mm. us there's still going to be arguments about whether even var have got it right or yeah. not yeah. it's got it right or not uh, this isn't sport one of the great things about sport whether it's professional or amateur is that it's full of uncertainties you know, stuff we can't control. Yeah, That's yeah. what dra draws us all to it. It's not a chess match. It's not a, a, a mathematical calculation. And part of the great thing about any decent sport is that there will be occasional bad luck. That's yeah. what makes sport interesting as opposed to 
making a film or something mm. like that where and even let's face it we get pleasure out of watching films where they've left <laughs> coffee cups and stuff oh, yeah. like that isn't it the continuity is yeah, exactly yeah, and stuff like that we, yeah. we they replay it. apparently in a scene in game of game of one of the last cataclysmic scenes in game of thrones <laughs> and there's a starbucks cup <laughs> on one of the things and i mean and, and we and we and and, and this we take Pleasure yeah, and yeah. interest in all of that. There has to be a margin of human error somewhere along the somewhere line. Somewhere along the line, because yeah. it's being played yeah. and yeah. refereed by humans. Yeah. And, you know, people have talked about this before, but American football, they got their heads around this a long time ago. Yeah. No, we are not having all these tiny decisions made by men in boxes mm. behind things going, etc., etc. It breaks the game up, etc. Let the referee... Look, the decision... Up against for, for France the other night, the, the, the only plus point about it was that at least she made the decision. It was a refereeing decision rather than, in other words, it wasn't like she gave the decision one way and somebody in the box has said, has actually changed the decision yeah. because they've, you know, they have a different view or a different in, in, interpretation of it. Um, yeah, you know, you can't uninvent you can't uninvent the technology. Of course, you can't. But um, but what about this offside business then, where the linesman or the fourth sorry the uh, line? No, you call it you call the lineswoman. Yeah, um, is not supposed to flag for oh. a, a, what is a blatant offside until the passage of play has been completed, in order for VAR to. Adjudicate. What's wrong? What's, what's gone wrong? The game's gone. Or when something like that happens, it's, it's, though, it's, this, it's this constant compulsion to keep reacting to new technology. Yeah. You, you, just because you have a, a piece of technology, you don't have to use it. This is. I, I can't. It's. It's. It ends up where the technology runs us, not the other yeah. way around. You know. And and you, you, how many how many how passages of play are carrying on for like eight ten seconds? Mm. Yeah. After the flag should have gone yeah. up, you know, it's practically they've gone ra- run around the back of the goal, shaking hands with everybody, <laughs> and signed their contract for the following season. Yeah. By the time the yeah. flag's gone up, it, it wouldn't happen with Stan the Popside Lino. Oh no, definitely not. Flag would go up. A, de- a definite decision would be made, and, and and quite rightly, somebody was pointing out the other day that of course somebody could get injured. Yes. Yeah. When the game should have stopped. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that'll be an interesting ruck, won't it, when that, when, when that happens? An interesting conversation yeah. to have at Let some point. the referees and the, and the thing... Look, it's an, they're going to make mistakes. Do footballers make mistakes? Of course they do. Do managers yeah. make mistakes? Yes, they do. Do reporters make mistakes? Yes, every now and again, hopefully. But that's the life, and it's the world, isn't it? You, you, yeah. you can't reduce it all down to an exact science where everybody sits there with their arms folded and goes, you know... Uh, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, especially in a high tempo game where the yeah. flow of the match is everything. Yeah, yeah. On the subject of reporters making mistakes, then <laughs> that leads us quite neatly and as if we'd rehearsed it. We talked a little bit last week about the the dream team that oh, you put together for yeah. the uh, the Talk dot com. Uh, the blog. Now we started chatting about this last week, and we only actually got as far as the manager and the goalkeeper. No, no, we didn't. Last <laughs> week we did. Right, we'll keep this shorter. So, well, no, we're going to do the. We'll do the defence. The back four. Just the back four. Right. This week, because there's some interesting choices in there. What we're doing, um, we were both invited by the people who run the blog to come up with uh, our dream team 11s. I picked a team of players that I'd uh, turn out on a rainy February Tuesday night to see play. 
David took a, a different approach. You picked a team of players who you would choose to play for your life. Yeah. Didn't you? Um, the ones we've got so far, your manager, of course, Franco Farrell, your goalkeeper, John Turner. Uh, let's have a little look at your defence. And we'll start at right back, as one always does. The players who did not make it into your team at right back. Ian Twitchin didn't make it into your team. Jim McNichol, Paul Holmes and Andy Gurney. None of those four made it into your team. But great players, all of those, aren't they? Ian Twitchin, we spoke about Ian Twitchin. All the players that, that, that people like you and me leave out of these teams are great players. Aren't you? You, yeah. In other words, you, you're terrified the next time you bump into them in the street, <laughs> into the street, you know, because you can't apologise enough. To. Now, Ian Twitchin has been in a couple of other people's teams um, as a right midfield player as there well. There you go. But he would have been equally at home at right back, wouldn't well, he? And was, and, yeah. and probably played at least as many games at right back as yeah. uh, as he did in midfield. Yeah, Jim McNichol, of course. Well, part of the team from Netflix documentary, not and just that, takes not, part in the documentary, absolutely, doesn't he? but a crucial character in that. But but yeah. not just that. Uh, one of the things about Jim McNichol was is is. And he's told me this many times. He said it does annoy him a little bit uh, that he will go down in history in his sporting and football life uh, as the as the player who got bitten yeah. by a police dog. Yeah. Uh, and as he said to me and one or two other people, he said, "I wasn't a bad player, you know." Uh, well, of course he was. Hundreds wasn't. of games. Oh, Brentford. He had a very yeah. fine career at Brentford before he came down here. Played for Torquay, Exeter. He was a hell of a good player. Yeah. Started off at Ipswich Town. Um, you know, and he doesn't deserve to be remembered purely as the guy that bring the police dog bit. And Paul Holmes is a player that people often overlook, don't they? Oh, it's a, a class act yeah. on his day. Um, I think even Paul would admit he wasn't the best defender in the world, mm. um, but uh, a very quick, very fit look, as well. Went on yeah. United yeah. sold him to Birmingham for a hundred thousand. He went to Everton, Everton after, after that. that. Yeah. You know, yeah. played in the first division or the the, uh, mm -hmm. um, the Premier League. Um, yes, he would have been the Premier League because uh, just uh, just would have been in there. I think. Yeah. No, no. I mean, you know, you don't go up and have that sort of career unless no. you can do a bit. Good player, and Andy Gurney, who we've—he's uh, in a lot of people's dream teams, isn't he? Yeah, the, uh, the Lord and yours. Right I think. He's in mine. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely in mine because yeah. he goes in alongside uh, Paul Gibbs. As well, well um, I, <laughs> I'll never forget the first time I saw Andy Gurney in a, in a competitive match, uh, Macclesfield away, their first game in the Football League, I think it was, yeah. uh, 1997, um, after they'd been promoted at uh, the Moss Rose ground, Torquay lost 2-1, uh, and I can remember sitting there watching and thinking... Why is our right back ending up in front of the strikers on a regular <laughs> on a regular basis? <laughs> but the great but, thing was he, he got back as well, didn't he? Telling me yeah. he, he could he he could cover the ground. He scored that afternoon. Yeah, uh, and it was the first of many. Mm. Um, uh, no, tremendously entertaining and a huge, very tactic um, tactically a very important part of that yeah. team of under under um, Kevin Hodges. But, but the player the player who has got in at right back for you, yeah. Is John Bond. John Bond. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, um, th there are certain players that just have a charisma about them. And nearly always, yes, in fact, always, the charisma is back. It's, it's there for a reason. It's yeah. backed up by talent, physical ability. John Bond came to United not after promotion, but before they'd won promotion under Frank O'Farrell in their f the first season from West Ham. Yeah. He was a bit of a marquee signing, phrase we've used a little bit recently. Yeah. Everybody went, wow, John Bond. He was in West Ham's cup-winning team last year, wasn't he? Yeah. And all yeah. that kind of stuff. 
He came to play more. He completely bought into what was going on at Torquay at the time, mm -hmm. Frank O'Farrell's new era. Um, he bought. He went into partnership in a news agent in, in, sweet, sweet shop, shop, in, uh, in, in Tor on the corner there where you swing round in front of the tyre place. Um, uh, Bondi's Tuck Shop, it was yeah. called. Uh, regularly behind there selling tobacco and sweets to <laughs> so kids used to walk for miles and miles <laughs> from their homes so that they could go in and buy stickers and stuff. I thought you were going to say the, tobacco for yeah, a minute there. No, no, no. Cards and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and get his autograph. Um, and on the pitch, he was an absolute class act. Yeah. Um, very good attacking player, six foot two, something like that. Um, uh, and uh, just helped to turn Torquay yeah. into 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 the promotion team, and that and stayed for oh, three years. I think more, more yeah. than three years here was out. So he wasn't just somebody who just dipped in and dipped out again. He'll do for me. Yeah. Now, the centre-backs, now I'm going to read the shortlist. You How don't tough have, is this? Yeah, you don't have to go into every one of these because this is a long shortlist of players well, who did not make it. We are talking about it. two positions here, aren't we? The yes, two we centre -backs are. Yeah. So the players who did not make it into your side as centre-backs, John Benson, Ken Brown, Dick Edwards, Clint Bolton, Mike Green, John Impey, Phil Lloyd, Matt Elliott, Wes Saunders, Darren Moore, Alex Watson, John Gittins and Steve Woods. They're they would walk into most teams, wouldn't and, they? And walk it. If, if yeah. I had four go, four, five, six, seven, eight goes at this, they'd yeah. all get in. Uh, uh, and another one, my lad pointed out, one that he, he always liked a lot was Aaron Downs. Of course, he's in the army's yeah. assistant manager. Yeah. Um, and of course, several of those had the unlucky uh, unluckiness to play for United, not in successful mm. times. You know, in other words, look at Clint Bolton. Yeah. What a wonderful, wonderful player he was. The fact that he could play in about every position on the pitch except goalkeeper, including goalkeeper, actually. Yeah. Um, he never got to play. He was at United all through those mid-70s where they finished in the middle of the table every single season. Never got to win promotion or, or have that accolade. Yeah. Um, but no, and, and all of those, I'd be more than happy to have... Uh, um, uh, in my team and two of them in particular went on to um, much bigger and better things Matt Elliott and Darren Moore quite both went from Plainmore to um, careers at the top flight didn't they? and me. long careers at the top uh, flight absolutely. as well absolutely uh, Matt Elliott was it 14, 15 caps for Scotland, for Scotland uh, yeah. and Darren Moore well 4,000 games was it something like at, that at not least, quite but you know what least. I mean um, in the, and in the Premier League yeah uh, no absolutely but the two players who have made it in, your centre-backs, are Jimmy Dunn and Craig Taylor. Tell me a bit about Jimmy Dunn. Well, Jimmy Dunn, um, again, was a bit like a player like John Benson, uh, who was just before him, really, although they played in the same teams under, under uh, Frank O'Farrell, and then when uh, yeah. Alan Brown took over. Um, they could both play as a sort of holding midfield player, Or, but I, I, I used to love Jimmy Dunn in the back four. Um, uh, he came to United from Millwall, Irish. Yeah. Um, as a young, promising young player, and he just got better and better and better. United sold him to sold him to Fulham for about thirty five thousand mm. at yeah. the end of his first spell. He eventually came back later on, having won a load of Republic of Ireland caps. Yeah, um, tough as old boots, um, good in the air, fantastic engine, and could get around the pitch. He could yeah. pass the ball. He, he chipped in with his. 
fair share of goals when he was playing in midfield. He had a testimonial um, season as well, yes, didn't he? Did, he? Yeah. And, and players don't seem to do that anymore, do they? I don't know. Um, no, nobody not stays quite at the same club. Quite Hill had yeah, one a little yeah. while ago. Um, it it used to be after ten years' service, didn't yeah. it? And and of course, how many players end? Very up few now, I suppose, in this yeah. day and age. Um, uh, he eventually ended up. To, went out to play in South Africa um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, sorry Australia I beg his pardon um, but he just as a, as a player who played and starred at this is part of the difficult decision making with these teams isn't it because you have to factor in the level at which yeah. the players performed for United yeah. he performed at a very high level in what's now League One when United were trying to win promotion from League yeah. One up to what's now the Championship um, and uh, no, I, I, he, he's a, a top guy and an all bit of an all-rounder. Yeah. And Craig Taylor? Well, Craig Taylor uh, was a little one I realised when I, I was homing in on him that it was a, bit, a little bit left-fieldish. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to have somebody at the back there like Jimmy Dunn, you need a real straightforward head-it-kick-it centre-half. Yeah. And of course, you know, what people like Alex Watson, John Impey... Dick Edwards, who was obviously a pretty good footballer as well, they all fit into those roles. Of course they do. But Craig Taylor, he was quite happy on his left foot. He played, he came to United from Plymouth. Yeah. Um, uh, how he couldn't get into their team, I do not know. It was obviously in the team that Leroy Rossini took up. And a bit like Alex Russell, the fact that, that, that I, I was hugely respectful of him was the fact that he played even better for United in League One. Yes. Uh, there was yeah. a group of players in that team and there's another one in the back four as well who having gone from League 2 up to League 1 uh, in a team that struggled in that division and yeah. eventually came, came down although I've never known a more unjust relegation <laughs> in my life but still never mind um, that they played even better in League 1 than they had done in League 2 which showed their quality yeah. and Craig Taylor was, was, he was brave he was good in the air um, more than happy on his left foot, a captain. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, I mean, we, without going into who else is in your side, and I'm not even going to look, so we'll save that for next week, but he must be a candidate for your skipper. Yeah, and and I know all the players in that team, you know, the, the David Grahams, Russell Fowler, that they absolutely loved Craig Taylor to bits. They were they had huge respect for him. He yeah. was a quiet man, and and uh, uh, obviously, his brother is now United's uh, Sean. His is now United's uh, um, uh, yeah. youth coach. Um, uh, a very very good, a much I felt is much underrated player. Uh, and I remember when United uh, two years later they were uh, playing Carlisle away in a famous United victory under Ian Atkins when United against yeah. all the odds I still think it's the greatest the greatest escape, escape. Yeah. Um, yeah completely adrift with about eight ten games to go or whatever it was and they managed to stay up with a game to spare but they went to Carlisle when Carlisle were about to clinch the championship uh, the trophy was on the the director's yeah. box wall. Oh, I love it when this happens. Exactly, yeah. thirteen or fourteen thousand at yeah. Burnton Park, at Brunton Park, all ready to celebrate. United won two one. Um, Kevin Hill scored, and I think Joker Four might have got one. Anyway, yeah. um, no, he'd gone by then. I can't remember who got the other one. Anyway, uh, Craig Taylor and Steve Woods that afternoon, under the most mountain, you can imagine what it was like in the second half, under the most mountainous pressure. I've never seen two. Uh, or seldom seen two centre-halves play more yeah, bravely under yeah. under so much pressure. They got absolutely battered that afternoon. 
and they kept coming and they kept coming, putting their head on it, clearing it, clearing it, clearing it. And United won two one. Um, and if ever two players won a match yeah. by not yeah. scoring, uh, those two did that afternoon. And um, yeah, he's he's, he's uh, he'll do for me. And finally, left back, the players who do not make it into your team at left back: Bobby Baxter, Phil Sandercock, Jimmy Holmes, Tom Kelly, Paul Gibbs. And Kevin Nicholson do not make it into your starting eleven. Very difficult because the place goes to a player that I, I know you've spoken about him before. A player you admire a lot, Brian McGlinchey. I, I thought when when Brian McGlinchey and Craig Taylor arrived from Plymouth in the autumn of two thousand and three, something like that. Yeah. At first on loan and then permanently, uh, it was as if the final piece had dropped into pieces had dropped into the jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd played at a very high level anyway, Brian McGlinchey, uh, in Northern Ireland. He was, he was in international he was, as well. That's right, he was yeah. in Man City, yeah. uh, went to Gillingham, uh, I think he played for Portsmouth as well, before going to Plymouth. Plymouth were in the Championship at the time under Paul Sturrock, and, and I think Sturrock felt that both yeah. he and Taylor maybe weren't quite good enough for what he was trying to do at, uh, at Argar. And he came to Torquay. Um, uh, he always looked slightly lightweight, Brian McGlinch. He wasn't the biggest left back in the mm. world, and that belied actually his 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 underlying toughness. But he had a great left foot, um, and he, uh, the thing I always loved about him, he, he obviously the old phrase "educated left feet," <laughs> educated left yeah. foot is fine. Kevin Nicholson, you'll never get a more educated left foot than that, and 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 he could do he could do almost anything with, with his left foot. Um, but McGlinchey, uh, obviously, uh, one promotion at United. In the uh, in the first season uh, that, that, that they were there, and then played in League One and played just as well again, just a bit like Craig Taylor in League One. Yeah. When United were trying to stay up, he he was a a, a very cool, calm character. Um, but when the needs, when the moment to put his boot through it came, Brian Ginter yeah. could do it with the best of them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. just when you you just want the ball to go a long way. Yeah, uh, and he could do it, and and this is somebody who would always rather pass the ball than kick it. Yeah, and I remember uh, um, uh, in the piece I done uh, an incident at Swansea when United won two one at the Old Vetch Field, and they were under huge pressure in the closing stages. Gra- uh, David Graham has put us two one up, um, and uh, it was a very important match. Swansea weren't far behind mm-hmm. us. It was a key game, and the ball bounced in in behind the United back four, and I think. Um, Whoever was in the goal that day, Kevin Deard and Raja Man Houston couldn't quite get to it. But McGlinchey had read the danger and came round the back. And I can remember seeing him all off balance and wrong completely. Yeah. It was like he couldn't hit it with his right foot. But he managed to sort of take off and put his left boot, boot through it. And the last thing you ever saw was this ball disappearing over the roof of the biggest stand at the Vetch Field. And I and I, I swear it was still going up when it cleared when it cleared the roof. It's they, still they could, out there somewhere. They could never have got it back. Um, and of course that used up another yeah. thirty seconds while they got the ball. Not that ball, another one. It was just exactly the right thing to do. Yeah. Good, in, at the good right decision time. making. A good yeah. decision, but yeah. also he had the technique to do it. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. very easy to have miskicked it sliced it into his own net you name it almost yeah. every outcome was possible when he went to hit it and then my goodness it stayed hit um, yeah uh, Brian McGlinchey Brian McGlinchey that's your defence taken care of we'll move on to the midfield next week because um, because there's some big names in that midfield as well so we'll, we'll save that for next week good 
Um, I can't believe we're doing this again this week. Um, very sad news from the local football front this week. We spoke last week about Steve Jane, yeah. um, who died after decades devoted to Harbert and Ford. Steve's funeral is on the 15th. It's on Saturday, yeah. 2 o'clock at Harbert and Ford. I'll just butt in briefly. Tomorrow, it's the, it's the funeral of Ray Ford. Of course, uh, yeah. A very well-known and popular local referee and servant of local football. Uh, Ray moved away, actually, uh, to London. He was in the fire service. Uh, but many, many local players and supporters will remember Ray Ford. It's his funeral tomorrow as well. And also, just heard the news this week as well, that anybody who has ever been in a game involving Stoke Gabriel will have known Pam Emmons, who died this week yes. as well. Um, Pam always used to have the big bag of quality streets that she would um, share with anybody along the touchline. And she also, as... Um, her son-in-law has been telling me this afternoon, it is true, the apocryphal story of her clobbering somebody over the head with her handbag. Uh, it happened at Studley Knoll. It was because uh, her son was playing for Stoke and uh, one of the uh, players at the home team, forget who the home team were at Studley Knoll then, had squared up to him and before any blows could be landed, Pam's handbag came in and, and clattered him over the top of the head. <laughs> yeah, uh, she wasn't a person to argue with Pam. Once she'd made her mind up, either about you absolutely. or about whatever issue was at stake, uh, that was it. That's it. But you'd always, you'd always get a quality street out of Wonderful well. lady. Yeah. Uh, no visit to, to Stoke Gabriel Football Club was complete unless she was there. Um, and, a, and a tireless, just like the other two gentlemen, were, were a tireless servant of the game. Yeah. She no, was chairman of Stoke, briefly, there I you think. Are. No blazers, no ties, or very few of them. Mm -hmm. People who actually got stuck in and did tireless work. Yeah. Uh, whenever jobs needed doing, they were the sort of people that you wanted around. But you know, and and uh, I'm very sorry to hear that that Pam's uh, passed on. Indeed. Um, we all, the, these people were all part of our lives, which just shows how yeah, we're getting on, isn't it? For true. for many for many years, but they're absolute fabric of. South Devon football. Indeed. And a funeral service for Pam will be held on the 28th, uh, 10.45 at Stoke Gabriel Parish Church. All are welcome, I'm told. So it is the close season, David. It hasn't shut us up at all, has it? We've um, we've managed to fill another... Uh, people's batteries, once again, will be running down on their phones. But uh, well, let's, let's there's always much to, to discuss. Let's look forward to another United signing. I understand that um, another one... Is is uh, we did say that last week, didn't we? But uh, we another did. one is is not far away, um, and uh, yeah, that's all going well. I think people are looking forward uh, to well, as much as you you do look forward to pre season. I'm not a huge fan of pre season, but I think everybody is quietly looking it's, forward to pre season. It's getting uh, closer. And the players are yeah. back for training next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. So Come the, on, lads. By the time we next podcast, the yeah. players will be back we'll, in we'll for We'll have training. had a day. We'll have had a day in. Uh, and anybody, I, I dread to think anybody who comes in who's weighing a pound more than overweight. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Gary Johnson's Fat Club. Do you think he'll yeah. tell us the names of its members? He probably will. He might yeah. just do that. <laughs> he, he probably will. A little bit of housekeeping to do before we go. Uh, happy birthday to Chris up in Yorkshire. It's his birthday today. And uh, Hope Hayden is back on his feet again soon. There was a, a, a moment in the walking football last night when poor old Hayden, um, it was in a tackle with me, but there was no foul play. He actually managed to turn his ankle over. Oh dear. It went off with a bit of a click and a crunch and uh, he was last seen hobbling off towards home. They're so horrible, uh, aren't they? Hopefully yeah. he's back up on his feet and playing before too long. 
Good to have your company. Flaming June, it's actually stopped raining now, so perhaps it is going to get better after all. Thanks for your time. This has been the Talking United Yellow Army podcast, and as ever, come Come on, on, you yellows. You've been listening to the Herald Express, Devon Live, Talking United Yellow Army podcast, recorded weekly by David Thomas and Guy Henderson. You can find this podcast by clicking devonlive.com or by following us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash DL, or on Twitter at TQHE Sport. You can also subscribe on iTunes, search for Talkie United on the iTunes app. Please leave us a review wherever you can. We welcome all feedback. Thank you very much for listening. Join us again next week.